Hello guys and welcome back to another installment of Galley Stories, Stories of the Bering Sea and Beyond. I am your host Mark Kaler. Uh, before we get started I just wanted to make sure to remind you to buy uh, wild Alaska seafood and if you can't buy wild Alaska seafood at least buy wild seafood. Our guest today is Captain Elmer Luce. He's the captain of the Viking Explorer. Uh, Cap uh, captain Elmer, how are you doing today? Doing good, Mark. Doing good. Excellent. So, um, you've listened to half of about all of these, but never all of them at once. So, we're going to throw some ringers at you. But let's start out with, you know, where were you born and how you got into the industry? Well, I was, uh, I was born in Seattle. I don't like to say that, but I was born in Seattle. Um, and... I got started in the industry, well, I've been in the industry all my whole entire life. I think I was three weeks old when I first was on a boat. My mom and dad had a boat. They fished, uh, they, they tro was a troller out of southeast Alaska, actually out of a little town called Pelican. And um, ever since I was uh, about three weeks old, I was on the boat. My first memory of being on a boat was um, uh, there was a tire swing. so. There was the main boom of the boat. They'd put it down um, on fair weather days, and 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 you know if there was a little bit of wind, they'd put it up and put a sail on it. Uh, just part of the trolling back in the days, I guess. I don't know much about it, but I, I recall it all. Anyways, there was a tire swing, and um, we'd get in the tire swing and sit in there, and just the natural motion of the boat, you'd get rocked back and forth. And, now that was nothing to do with the fishing equipment. They just put that tire swing up yeah, for you, just for the kids. Yeah. How old do you think you were at that time? Oh, geez. <laughs> well, I can tell you, I was anywhere from very, very young up until. Well, I know I've seen pictures. Mom had pictures of me, you know, four, five years old, mm -hmm. sitting in that tire swing. And yeah. when when did your parents start making you work on the boat? Uh, okay, starting to work on the boat was in 1977. Um, which was actually the last year that, uh, I, well, how old was I? I was 10 years old. Um, that And that was the last year they trolled, that my dad had trolled. And um, we, me and my brother, we cleaned the fish and we saved all the fish eggs out. And we got paid off of the fish eggs. I mean, nowadays the fish eggs are worth more than the fish, but back then the fish eggs weren't worth anything. So, yeah, we... Uh, we, we, we cleaned all the fish and iced them down, and, and uh, we got paid on how much fish eggs we pulled out. At 10 years old? 10 years old. <laughs> so then your dad sold that boat then? Yep, yep. He, uh, he sold the boat. By that time, he had six kids. and um, A lot like you now. Were they born in, in, in <laughs> no, twos? No. Or? <laughs> oh, they were, yeah. I got twins and triplets. Uh, no, they, uh, they put them all about a year and a half apart. <laughs> um, but um, he decided, you know, the family's getting too big. Um, a lot of kids, a lot of things going on. So uh, he, you know, he went a different direction in, in life uh, in the fishing industry. And uh, we'd moved down to where I live now in the Adna area. And um, when I was, uh, oh, between my sophomore and junior year, I went up tendering with him. A tender boat and then between my junior and senior year I tendered and then after my senior year I tendered that summer and then went king crabbing right away and which boat fall. was this that was on the Marcy J oh yeah great boat yeah oh yeah real nice boat Harold and Marcy were the owners back then 
Um, of course, it's a Trident Seafoods boat now. But um, yeah. So that'd be 85, 84, 85. 1985, yep. yep. The summer of 85, I was on that boat. Yeah, and then from there, I did that. And then well, of course- let me, let me just slow you down real quick and tell us about that first experience because you're coming from tendering in the bay, I'm assuming. Yep. To, to going off to do king crabs with no experience. King well, crab. it was tendering in the bay. And then from the bay, it went to Prince William Sound. You know, you kind of did the circuit sure, back then, sure. you know, the whole tender circuit. And uh, and then when fall came around, um, actually, it was the first year, if you ever go back and look at their record books, it was the first year that Blue Crab opened back up again up at St. Matt's. And um, so we did the Blue Crab and the Red King Crab. You went up to St. Matt's on your first trip up there? Yep. How was that experience for a young guy? Well, the experience was great. I mean, actually, to be honest with you, what I remember about it the most wasn't really the fishing. It was the time in between the two seasons. We tied up in, uh, or we anchored up in Herodine Bay, and uh, the Marcy Jane and Anita Jay, and we went up and, and uh, went hunting up in the hills and whatnot, and I shot my first ever bear. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So it was kind of cool. How long were you on the Marcy Jay then? Just, just for that summer Just fall. the one, okay. Yeah. Where'd you go from there? Well, of course I'm graduated now, and you, I mean, I gotta figure out what I'm gonna do with my life. So I thought, well, I'm gonna go to college. Everybody goes to college. Well, that lasted about three weeks. Oh, really? <laughs> I was gonna go on a civil engineering program, and, and I, it, just, it just wasn't for me. You know, I just, I just it wasn't for me. So I, uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I had accumulated some debt. It's like, ah, I gotta keep working. And, um, so I found a job through my dad uh, with this guy named Andy. And they had the new organ. It was a Saner out of Kodiak. And so I fished with him from 1986 until I got onto the present boat I'm on now, the Viking Explorer, which was in 94, I believe. And uh, we uh, sained, and that was, we halibut long line, black cod long line. And. Um, and then he'd bought another boat, and so I started trawling. I bought him fishing, cod, and, and pollock. And it was all out of Kodiak. Actually, the cod was out of Sand Point. You know, we started venturing west, fish cod out of Sand Point. Mm -hmm. And um, that was a great experience. I think, you know, really when I look back at it, and I'm a lot older now, and I reflect back at my younger years, I really have to attribute most of, of, of my work ethics and knowledge um, and just how to do things um, to Andy. I mean, the guy was a screamer, a yeller, but you know what? He always told me. This is one thing he always told me, and, and today, to this day, I, I'll never forget it. He says, you know, you can't take this personal. You know, all the stuff that goes on a boat, you can't take personal. This is all business. And I thought to myself, you know, as I got older, very true. You know, people get excited on boats. People get upset. People get this, but you can't take it personally. I mean, it's, it's all part of fishing. Right. Yeah. So you're mid twenties, late twenty seven. Oh, I'm probably twenty. Yeah. Let's see. Eight, well, do the math here. Uh, twenty eight. Twenty six. Twenty six. Okay. Twenty five. Twenty six. That's when you found the ve, or she found, found the ve. You. Yeah. Well. Okay. My dad was pressuring me to get out west. All that during that whole time frame, you know. The company's grown leaps and bounds. Um, money's being made, 
But I thought I was making good money in Kodiak, and I was. I mean, heck, for a young kid, I was making real good money. And but he kept trying to tell me, yeah, we just bought these boats, we just bought these boats, you know, and, and he, was, he was telling me all about the fisheries out there, but I just wasn't listening. I, I wasn't registering it. And because uh, we were doing company fine. was this? Trident. Oh, he was, your dad was with Yeah, he was with Trident by this time, okay. yes. And things, th th you know, things were going good. And, um, but things were going good in Kodiak too. Salmon industry was good. I mean, what was it? 1988 was that big year, red run year. The price was two dollars and some odd cents a pound. Um, yeah, because '89 the Exxon Valdez came in, and uh, but no, things were going good. And um, I uh, finally, it was in the summer of '94. Yeah, the spring of '94. Um, it was just done. I was done. I, 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 due to a lot of different circumstances, I just couldn't better myself anywhere where I was at. And I wanted to make the next step up in the industry. You know, I wanted to run a boat. And, um, and have you been and, doing any engineering or all that? Oh, yeah. Work? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. You, on, on those smaller boats, you do it all. You do it all. And so I got on the, um, uh, I don't know how I got in touch with Jeff, the other captain. I really don't know how that all came about. But, I don't remember anyway. But Jeff and I sat down and met, and um, yeah, I got the engineering job on the Viking Explorer that summer. So, back up a couple months, I brought in my last trip to, I was running the boat, the New Oregon Longlining, um, for the previous two, three years. And, um, of course, halibut i mean it was nothing to go out and fill a boat full of halibut in in, in the in the 20 uh, 48 or 72 hour opening that we had back then um and because the boat only held 50 60,000 pounds of halibut and, uh, well how did you first step into that captain spot on the oregon i mean how did that come about well andy bought another boat the milky way and so he was running it and he obviously trusted me enough to run the new organ you know? how was that experience the first time getting the keys <laughs> i think the very first time that's very first time was kind of a scary moment okay let's let's, let's have that um one. well the one trip i remember was we were headed out and this was early on in the spring too and i couldn't tell you how early them seasons started but we were going to do some black cod off of cape san elias and um well that was back then Okay, you had WBH29. You had the weather gal, you know, Peggy. She gave the weather from Kodiak. There was no internet, no nothing to get the weather. We'd gotten the weather, but somewhere along the way, the weather obviously changed. So here we are out in the armpit of Alaska, and it is starting to get crappy. I mean, just really getting with it. And we're on a 56-foot wood boat, mind you. And, I mean, I don't know where we're blowing 50. And that's no place for a 56-foot wood boat it's blown 50 20 plus footers especially up there where there's a lot of current I mean, it's just nasty 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 no, yeah no place for it no place for it um one of the guys left the back there's two fish holds in it left the, in the back fish hold we had all of our bait on ice you know for our trip we're gonna make we'd already set most of our gear out and uh, I mean, I mean, it was just nautical. It, it was just nautical, 
And so one thing led to another, and the boat was starting to feel really heavy. And I'm like, gosh. And I found out, you know, what's going on, guys? What's going on back there? Well, it was full of water. The hatch never got put back on. So now it's full of water. Our main tank's full of water. Now we're here. here we, we got a situation now. Very heavy boat, blown 50, 20-foot um, seas. And I'm, I don't know how far I'm, you know, recalling. If I had to guess, I'm probably 12 hours from... Anything. Yeah, from the Cape to get into the cover. So we, we're starting to make our way there. And we got these uh, stabilizers out, you know, and little wings kind of on the, the outside. You throw the booms out and they. Yeah, yeah. And the stabilizer, you know, and, and well, those were, things were, you, were flying out of the water. Every time you, you take a roll, them, them things would fly up out of the water. Were you able to do anything to get the water out? No. I mean, you could today. No, no because, well. You, oh, it's you, full of bait. It's full of bait. Well, not only that, you have cardboard. What's the worst thing to have in a lazarette? Mm -hmm. Cardboard. I mean, cardboard is the worst thing to have in, in any place that you want to try and get water out because it plugs up all the drains. I mean, all these bait boxes come yeah. cardboard. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't an option. <laughs> um, the option was just to head to land. And any so, boats around you? Nope. Nope. No boats. Well, if there was, we couldn't see them. I mean, you got to remember technology back then. You didn't have, you know, AISs and plotters that, that showed everybody around you and everything. So, um, and everything was a big secret back then anyways. I mean, you know, where you fish was a big secret. Turn it off. Don't tell them where we're at. Yeah, don't, yeah exactly. So we made our way into there. And uh, who was running the Acceler? I think it was... Uh, I think it was Pete. Pete was running the Acceler, and he was back there behind the island, too. And we got funny... And there was a tender back there, too, by the way, to get our fish. And so we... Uh, we finally got situated, you know, got everything pumped out and this and that. And we had no bait. I mean, all the baits washed out. It's no good. So we're just scooping it overboard. Scooping it yeah. overboard, letting the bait go. And I'm just like, when well, I have no bait, I got the gear out there in the water, which I don't even know if I'm going to find again. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know? Um, you left it 12 hours back there. Right? <laughs> yeah, I left it, I left it back there. Um, and the plotting system back then was, you know, you, usually you camp out by a gear, you know, and yeah. then just pick it and, and uh, keep an eye on a buoy. <laughs> keep an eye on a buoy, exactly. You, I mean, we were fishing, you know, 200 to 300 fathoms of water for this black cod. You, you, you didn't have wheel watch; you had caught, you had a buoy watch. You buoy Don't watch, that buoy exactly. Get out of here. <laughs> Especially not knowing what you're going to do. It's like, is that thing going to disappear? Now? Right. <laughs> so Pete gave us some bait. You know, he, he helped us along there, and, and, you know, he was kind of, you know, coaching me along and what to do and this and that, and the weather got nice, and we went out and we picked the gear, and... Um, we found it. We found the gear. Well, of course, we broke off both ends, everything. <laughs> it was a disaster. This trip was just a disaster. By the time we said all said and done, we had a few thousand pounds of black on and came back to port with half the gear. <laughs> <laughs> That was, your first, mess. that was your first trip? That was my first go around. It was it was a nightmare. Just a nightmare. But I learned a lot from it. Yeah. I learned a lot. And from there, it just kept getting better and better. You know, I did the halibut openings from that point on. And um, very successful. Yeah, really good. And so, I, you know, I thought, do I, that's what I wanted. I wanted to be in the captain's chair. And so it was finally time, in 1994, it was finally time to make that move. And so I did. I uh, got a job on the Viking Explorer, and uh, you know Jeff and I. I remember sitting down with Jeff at the Dairy Queen in Raymond because that was the halfway point between our two homes, and sat down. Well, you don't remember me. how you guys connected up at all? I or? really don't know how that happened. Probably through your dad. 
I think it was through Dad and Jim McManus. I'm pretty sure it was through Dad and Jimmy, if I have, I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, Jim was pretty involved with the boats back then. Um, you know, he was the boss, and um, yeah, it was between between those two. And um, and so July comes rolling around. Mm-hmm. I think it was July the well, because I went Gilman. That's right. I got off to New Oregon. So you got off the Oregon, and then between, but we're already hired on the VE, right? Yes. And then went gill netting yes. for the summer before? Yes. Or? Yes, I got a job with uh, Matt Marinkovich on, uh, I don't even remember the name of the gill netter, but um, I needed something to fill in because I was supposed to go meet the New Oregon, get hooked up with her uh, in the Seward Shipyard July 20... The VE. Yes, the VE, July 28th. I believe it was the date. A little bit of fill time there then. Yeah. Well, yeah. There was a, there was a month there. Well, there was a Bristol Bay season there to be had. And um, so uh, I thought, well, heck, I would do that. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, that was an experience in itself, you know. Had you had you done Bristol Bay before? Never gillnetted before, no. That's, that's, that's combat fishing. <laughs> it was, especially back, well, it was more than, con- I mean, okay, here we go. I... Herring sane, salmon sane, pollock fished, cod fished, king crabbed. Um, I've gotten a lot of the fisheries under my belt by then, and I thought, you know what, this would be a good time to go uh, do some gill netting. Maybe I'll fall in love with that and buy a gill net or something to permit. Um, so, anyway. Um, well, the experience on that was pooping in a five-gallon bucket in the back deck. I mean, that's what you did. <laughs> Those old wood <laughs> gill netters. One of my memories. <laughs> yeah, you're just sitting out there, you know, in God's world, just like, okay. <laughs> in a bucket. In a bucket, yep. And I'm pretty sure a lot of the gill netter people that's going to listen to this can relate. But anyway, so I met the boat, the Viking Explorer, in the end of July in Seward. What year was that? In 1994. I believe 94. I don't think it was 93. I think it was 94. Was she pretty new then? Well, it was built in 79. So 89, yeah, it was uh, 15 years old. So yeah, it was a fairly new boat. And Jeff and the crew were going to fly up on this date. I can't remember. It was like four or five days later. It was when the boat was in the water. And then boom, we're going to head Pollock fishing to the Bering Sea. So, I talked to Lloyd Anderson, he was the port engineer at the time for the company, and Al Junis was the engineer on the Viking Explorer for whatever reasons, of which I don't know, you know, he was no longer going to be the engineer, and I was going to go up as, as the engineer on the Viking Explorer. So I, here I am, I'm flying into Seward, town I'd never been before, to a boat I'd never seen before. Before the cruise there. No crew there. They're not going to come for another four, five, six days, whatever it is. And the boat's going in the water in two days. And so, <laughs> and my last instructions from Jeff was to have the boat warmed up and ready to go because when we fly in, we're heading to Bering Sea. Biggest boat I've ever been on. I had not a clue. So Lloyd and I flew up. Lloyd left that evening. Al Junis was on the boat for about eight hours with me. Told me this, 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 and this, and that was it. He flew out. So here I am, the shipyard coming up to me, saying, your boat's going to go in the water. 
in 36 hours, about a day and a half at that point, and we're gonna go ahead and put you around and tug you and tie you up right here. So I'm like going, holy smokes. Is everything I'm supposed, closed? It needs to be I'm closed. supposed to have this boat fired up, refrigeration going, and the whole nine yards, because Jeff and the crew's flying in, and we're leaving for the Barren Sea to go trawling. So I spent like every waking hour tracing and marking. I had a black marker pen and a lot of tags. Every single pipe in that engine room, I had to put a mark on. Every single valve, I figured out where it went to. I mean, I traced everything. In the shaft alley, got the books out. What is this thing back in the dry hold? Uh, you know, Lloyd told me, well, that's the you know variable pitch unit. That's a Hunterstad variable pitch unit. Grab the Hunterstad book. What does this thing do? Well, I didn't know it turned the flukes <laughs> of the propeller, you Did know? Did you oversell yourself <laughs> to get the job, you I, think? Well, I just... Don't know. I don't know. But all I want to know, all I know, is I got the job. So I had to make the best of it. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm. I don't like failing. Nobody likes failing in life. So I made sure that by the time I know I had two, three days before they got there, I'd better have all this figured out. <laughs> and um, so it was an experience. Wow. So did you have it running? I had it running with a couple of minor mishaps. Did Jeff come down and see all your tags and black marks? And <laughs> I don't, I, I don't recall that, but uh, I'm sure he did. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people did. I take that as a good sign, though. Pretty thorough. Well, you know, I, I mean, when you know, back in the day, when you say, you know, we're coming up, it was Olympic fishery back then. We're heading to the Bering Sea to fish pollock. I mean, it, it, it's go time. So I, I had to have it figured out. Yeah. But what happened was, you know, what happened during that time frame was, you know, I was flooding the fish holds to start refrigerating. You know, I got to get this refrigeration going. And I knew the basic principles of refrigeration on the other boat. So, okay, so it's a little bit bigger system. Big deal. I mean, it's all the same principle, right? And really boats, the principle of a small boat to a large boat, they're all the same. I mean, just bigger equipment. Just bigger equipment, just more of it. So it was just, I just had to figure it all out. But what had happened that I did not know was that they had left... Back then, we had these box chillers, and on the on the sides on the ends of the box chillers, you had all these um, the distributor for the Freon. Well, for whatever reason, somebody along the way or something, anyways, loosened up, and and I don't know what they were doing to the refrigeration system, but those didn't get tightened back up. So when I flooded the forward fish holds, it flooded the chillers with water. And water, anybody knows refrigeration, you know, water inside of a chiller, inside the Freon system is not a good thing to have. But I didn't know it at the time. But I would always call my dad. Dad, this just happened. What do I do? <laughs> well, your dad's a hell of an engineer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so. I mean, it was nonstop throughout the process every day. You know, I was like, okay, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And, you know, he would just tell me along the way what to do. So he told me to get, he goes, get all the dryers you can find in Seward and get them on the boat. So I did. You know, got all the dryers I could find, and and uh, so my whole time from Seward to the Bering Sea to until we got to Dutch Harbor was putting dryers in, changing dryers out, which I had figured out how to do, and trying to get all the moisture out of the. When you say RSW. dryers, people are picturing right now a hair dryer. Well, the RSW on the high side and low side, they have dryers. You know, you you gotta keep the, all the the impurities. And moisture out out of the refrigeration system. Is it like a filter? Yeah, it's something that um, I guess grabs the water, any impurities, hmm. anything. 
And then I learned about what non-condensables were in the condenser because we had that too, which means, you know, your condenser um, will, will only work, all the non-condensables will go to the top of the condenser. So you got to bleed that off if you have issues. You got to bleed that off so, you know, so you're getting the full condensing sure. and refrigeration. So it was just a lot of stuff I was learning as I was going, you know. And um, so we got it going. And so anyways, wonder if I can explore. Where are we at? We're in Dutch Harbor now. And um, from there, we just started fishing Pollock. And it wasn't until that next year, um, in 95, that it was, it, was, it was the fall season of 94, and then the winter 95, and it's like, you know, I'm going back to what I wanted to do. I wanted to run a boat. I wanted to sit sit up there. I want to sit up in the wheel. I'll, I want to be the guy. Jeff, I move over. Guy, you know, well, I wasn't move over, but <laughs> I wanted to be the guy up top looking down, you know, not the guy at the bottom looking up. Mm-hmm. And um, so what's the first job available? Tendering. I wanted to tend to the boat. That's I get my foot in the wheelhouse. So I'm here I am pushing. And, and nobody likes, no, well, I shouldn't say nobody likes to tender. Most but, captains don't uh, like to tender. It's not a favorable job, let's right. say. So... I um, I ended up getting a tender job for the boat. It's like, wow, I got my foot in the door. After one year? Uh, less than a year, yeah. Because 94 so you, or so 95. So you taking night wheel watches or night toes or anything at this point? or? Oh, yeah. No, right away, right out of the gate, I was, and I don't know why or how. But he had a salty crew, Jeff did. But I don't know how I found my way doing the night towing because a guy named Dan Morvick, used to do all the night tone but I found my uh, maybe maybe I was sitting up with him I don't know but I was ended up doing a lot of the night tone and from that point and up until 2000 I did all the night tone and the engineering at the same time night tone is just um, like being captain except harder because it's dark well, <laughs> well you catch the fish at night he catches fish during the day so um but where were we at um Move, trying to look up into the wheelhouse and yeah so I got the job tendering and then from there, um, it led in, you know, probably should fast forward a little bit. It led in from tendering. I got that spot sewed up. Obviously, I must have done a good job because they kept me doing it. And to grabbing a Pollock trip or two, to doing all of cod fishing then. You know, Jeff didn't have no interest in cod fishing. You know, he just wanted to Pollock fish, which is great. You know, that's fine. You got experience. You were running yeah. the boat. And... Yeah, so I got the cod fish. Now, were you still engineering that, at the same time? or did Yes. You... No, my first season of cod fishing, I engineered and cod fished at the same time. Now, this is going to start to get difficult as I get laying into the 90s because I was doing both spots. It would bring somebody in, but just to keep be my eyes down there. But yeah, it was, it was, I was working 10 months out of the year. I mean, back then the seasons went a lot longer. How did you have those five kids? Oh, that's right. You had them all in two shots, right? Two shots. <laughs> Twins and triples. After the year 2000. <laughs> and so, king crab. Well, king crab's coming. Well, I gotta go king crabbing. I've been king crabbing before, right? So, uh, um, in 1990, see, I ran about 95. In 95, no, I did not do the king crab that year. It wasn't until the following year, 96. I can't remember. Yes, it was 95. Who's running the boat king crabbing then? Randy Ackerman. Randy Ackerman's running the boat king crabbing. Huh? Is this the sheriff? Is that what they call him? I think so. I think he's got he's got a lot of nicknames. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Great guy. And uh, he uh, run the boat king crab. And so I went with him that season. And then, of course, now I'm doing my normal rotation of stuff. The following year, king crabbing, it was Harold, my lord, 
Myrold. Myrold, yeah, Myrold. What King crabbed at ninety on the on the V E? No, ninety four. I'm getting back. I, I've messed up one year. It was that first year in ninety four. Well, Viking then. No, that first. No, no, Viking Explorer. It was that first year in ninety four that Randy did it, and then ninety five Harold did it because my first year running the boat King Crabbing was ninety six. Gotcha. Okay, so Harold ran it in ninety, and so I did the King Crabbing. Now I'm stepping up where I'm doing the, all the King Crabbing. And Jeff did all the King Crab. All the nope. Nope, he didn't king crab. All the pollock. Let's start with A season. I'd do all the A season pollock. Then I would do cod fishing season after that. And then I would come up and with Jeff and whatnot and engineer the boat for all the pollocks. Uh, we used to do CDQ beforehand. And then all the pollock season. And then I would run the boat for the king crab. And so if you go from January to... And back then, the king crab seasons were all different. But anyway, it was about 10 months. 10 month stretch well the year 2000 rolled around and you know it was like it was it was getting up met my wife you know want to settle down have some kids and it was too much that, that was I, I couldn't do that I mean it was it was a grind and um, so I'd um, Jeff was giving me more and more Pollock at that time and at that time you know things were changing in the industry you know King Crab went to AFA went to catch share for the FA boats. Um, we no longer cod fished. We strictly became a Pollock boat because we were fishing a lot of Pollock and Kodiak at the time, that, and, and we didn't have the time to, to fish cod in the Bering Sea. So things were changing. You know, seasons were changing, industry was changing, and um, um, so Jeff and I started to split it, but in a manner where what he did was his money. What I did was mine. So Jeff would take half the seasons. He would take half A season, half a B season. You know, to the best. You know, wherever he wanted to cut it off. I wasn't picky. I didn't care. Right. But I got all the cod. If there was any extra pollock, I got and I got all the cod and I got all my king crab. So it led to that and led to the part where then we start splitting things down the middle. You know, time and money right down the middle. And uh, you know, here we are today. Were you ever? Uh, you told us about a pretty scary experience on the on the Oregon there, right? Yeah. What about on the VE? Have you you've been on there so long? Ninety four. Since ninety four. So what is that? Oh four, fourteen, ten, twenty four, uh, twenty four years. Yeah. So uh, what about any any times on there? Well, Do you have, you have, a, you have your scariest one on there. You know, I don't know, scary or nervous. Jeff, Jeff says he didn't have any, but. Well, it's. Yeah. I don't know if I'd call it scary or nervous or, or I don't really, I don't know if the word would be scary, but there have been a lot of, you know, hairy moments. Hairy moments? Is that a good way to put it? Yeah. You know? I mean, back in the day, we used to use inch and an eighth cable, you know, for our Gilsons. You know, that brings up the bag. And, and you know, back steel in the cable. Derby days, yeah. steel cable. And back in the Derby days, you know, it was, um, you fished weather. You fished tough, tough weather. Bad weather. And, you know, when you snap, when that whole bag comes up, stern ramp and then shoots back down and you snap inch and an eight cable that's not that old by the way <laughs> um yeah there's hairy moments like that yeah. um and as okay. far as running the boat well a friend of ours said today he actually got injured recently by fixing a cod end just fixing a net right and he says i, I really wished it was a great story there's a thousand ways we could die every day out there 
And I very true broke his hand fixing a net. Very true. So it, it just brings you your your point, you know, back yes. to yeah. You know, really scary moments, no, but hairy moments, yes. There's always these hairy moments. You know, a hairy moment running that boat, probably be my worst hairy moment was crossing Unimac Pass. I think it was the De- Aldebaran, the Golden Dawn, and us were coming in from a cod trip and um, getting, to, you know, we were stuck in the middle of the pass in this horrible crap weather and. Um, that might have been the hairiest because these things were jumping, these waves were just jumping up. Uh, they were jumping up 30, 40 foot out of the blue. And, you know, we all three struggled to get it. And there was no direction. You know, when these things were jumping up, they jump up from every which direction. So it's not like you can put it on the stern and go it's pretty somewhere. pretty narrow in there? No, no. You know, or, that pass is pretty big, but it, it's the current, you know, and it's a sea state. They, it's like a, we call it, you know, a wash tub. It's like in a wash tub, you coming know, washing one, machine. Coming out the They're other coming one. all different directions, you know, and, and that was that was a hairy, you know, I don't know what that was, you know, 10, 12 hours mm. to try to get across that pass. Yeah. A lot of good times out there? Oh, it's always a good time. A lot of good friendships built. Yeah. yeah. You know, I love being out on the ocean. It's, um, I mean, who doesn't? You know, fishermen all your life. I mean, I, I, love, I love being out in God's country, you know, and the ocean's God's country. You ever put no. a tire swing up on the V? <laughs> no, no, no tire swing. <laughs> Not taking your kids out there. No, we filmed football around back back though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, what would you suggest for young guys trying to think about coming here to this industry? Not just to work on a boat, but the industry in general. Well, we need more young guys. I mean, these crews aren't getting—they're not getting younger. And um, you know, if young guys want to come into this industry, you know. Um, well, number one, you, you better have a really good work ethic. You better know how to work. You better know how to keep your head down, keep your nose clean. And, and I don't mean by drugs. Well, not only drugs, but, you know, no drama. You know, don't bring drama into it. Um, Enough like, make- like my old boss said, Andy Blair, this is all business. You know, we're not up there for a social life. And I think some people come up, to be honest with you, for the drama and the social life, and they never make it. You come up there, you know, when you're a 1099 employee, you know, you're not an employee, you're a 1099, you're yourself. Self-employed. Self-employed. So you are your own contractor. So it's you. You should be the only one you're worrying about is you. Are you doing your job? You know, you keep your head down, go to work, do the job best you can. It's all advice I can give them. How has it treated your family? How has this industry well, it's the only thing that I've ever done. So the industry's been fine, you know. I, I think we live a comfortable life. I know we live a comfortable life. I'm, you know, not a lot of extra, but it's just comfortable. You know, I can't say that. Um, I can't say that it's been bad. Do you see your kids doing it? <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I can see my one son. You now he's been fishing the bay now since he was 15 years old. Um, uh, he's been there for the last two years. He's 17 this year. So when, um, he really wants to buy a bay permit and boat and start his own operation up. Is he starting to talk about? To oh dad about yeah. That? Hey dad, we could. Uh, you know, yeah, we could pull wants in to get a me bit. involved. Yeah, of we could course, pull in and then you know, <laughs> 17. And I know what I'm doing, Dad. I'm not opposed to it. Yeah. I mean, I am not opposed to it. But I keep telling them. I said, you know, I mean, if you do this, and you know, we can work on this. If we do this, but 
don't rely on this as your yeah. only source of income because it's not going to work. Well, that is how family traditions carry on. That is how uh, we've had folks on here that are fourth generation. I mean, Stan Hansen. I mean, he, mm-hmm. his great great grandfather fished more than any of us living today. You know, back then they didn't stop. Um, that's how traditions carry on is by giving it to your kids, right? Getting them involved. Well, yes, because I mean, I, I, when I'm home in the summers, you know, I farm, and and the rest of the year I fish. So I'm a fisher farmer. I mean, they're taxed alike. Everything's alike. The industries are so similar; it's unbelievable. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, very similar. I mean, I used to grow peas and corn, and my goodness, the cannery that you delivered your peas and corn to, you know, in the waybacks were identical. I mean, it, they go hand in hand. Yeah, they just go hand in hand. And well, there's um, a lot of shit on farms that'll kill you too. Oh yeah, stepping the a lot PTO of... <laughs> the wrong way with some loose carbon, you're wrapped up. Yes, so very similar industries, and so therefore those are the only industries that I've been in. And um, so yeah, fishing has really caught their eye, big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's just good to to have that carry on. And if your son is fishing now, so he's already third generation. Your dad fished. Yes. You fished. Actually. On my mom's side, if you want to go back, it'd be fourth generation because her mom and dad fished. Okay. Actually, they... Did she bring your dad into it then, or was it... They just... met. Dad was in Coast Guard, and he, they met in Pelican. That's how they met, was in Pelican. And, of course, she came from a fisherman, fisher family. Actually, my grandma and grandpa, my mom's mom and dad, they actually were one of the settlers of the town of Pelican. So had you have not been born while they were on vacation in Seattle, you'd be, <laughs> you'd be a born Alaskan. <laughs> Yeah. Or something like that. <laughs> well, you know, the family got large, yeah. and so they had to move, and they had to do something different. Well, they moved after your family got large, yeah. though. But you also got to remember something. In that time frame, and that was the early 70s, trolling, you know, t- for him to make the move and everybody to make the move. I mean, Harold Marks, he used to be one of my mom and dad's, uh, or my grandma and grandpa's friends, you know, out of Pelican. They used to troll. You know, I believe there's a lot of, of very successful... Uh, people in the fishing industry that's where they started out was trolling back in the day mm-hmm. and then they went from there and they ventured out because trolling in the early 70s I mean it was uh, it was going downhill fast and uh, people kind of went their same direction you know you know Marcy J Harold and Marcy they ended up in Kodiak they ended up you know selling out buying a bigger boat and, and fishing in Kodiak you know some people went out west farther. so what, what the Marcy J's the last boat I knew that they owned did they have a different Marcy J prior to that or nope that was the only one well, then they bought the Anita J. Okay. Yeah. After the Marcy J? Yes. Oh, so they weren't done. No, no. Okay. No. Nope. And um, so, yeah, it's been in, uh, it, it's been in four, four generations because my mom and dad, or my grandma and grandpa did it, and then my mom did it, and I did He's just, yeah, that's four generations. Any way you slice or dice it. Your wife's handled it good? Well... She knows no other. Right. I mean, I was a fisherman when we met, so that's all she knows was me being gone. But yeah, she handles it. She's a she's a super. Well, you're at home a lot more now than you used to be. I am now, but you know, in the first five six years of our marriage, probably not. No. But we're about out of time. But before we close, is there anything you any story you feel like you need to tell? No. You got a funny one um, for us? Just something. <laughs> Nothing that I can put on the air. <laughs> okay. Hey, what happens in Alaska stays in Alaska, right? <laughs> this is not Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> well, Elmer, I can't thank you enough for coming on today. I uh, 
I've enjoyed the story. Um, I'd, I'd ask you to encourage everybody to buy Wild Alaska Pollock. Oh, absolutely. Because that's your bread and butter, right? Absolutely. It, hey, when you, because you eat, you eat all species of fish, obviously. Yes. Even fishing everything. What do you think the difference is between Pollock and, and Cod? Well, the difference between Pollock and Cod, and what I tell my friends at home and this and that, when they're talking about buying fish, I, I will say, you know what? The taste, to be honest with you, there's not much. I can't, I would have a hard time. The only reason I would know the taste between a cod and a pollock is because I know the textures. So it boils down to the textures. To me, a codfish is stringier um, and tougher. A pollock is more tender, melts in your mouth. You trying to say it's a tenderloin of the sea? Well, I'm saying it's the difference between a, yeah, let's just say a flaming young and, and, and a, a and a round steak, really. <laughs> really? Yeah. And, and, and Yeah. I just caught you on the spot with that, too. That's fine. No, it's true. Pollock is very it's very tender. It's a very well, it's tender, a white moist fish. fish. It's like, a white fish. It, like any white fish, it's going to take any flavor you put on well, it. Well, look at it. They're a lot smaller than the cod. A lot smaller. Yeah. Now, if you were to buy the cod that's small, you know, yeah. You might get that. Yeah, you're going to get that same but thing. Nobody's but nobody's trying to fish for those. No, because I think I don't know what the minimum size is they pay for, well, but whatever. Well, it is. Yeah, you you also yeah. want to keep the species. But a cod, a cod, you know, look at the flakes in a cod; they're thick. Look at the flakes on a pollock; they're really thin. Look at the fibers of a cod; you know, they're they're stringy. Look at on a pollock; I mean, it just makes sense. Pollock, was, pollock in my eyes is a better fish than it, a cod. It was just a question, <laughs> and now we wanted the whole sales pitch. Um, <laughs> All right, guys, uh, this has been another installment of Galley Stories, Stories of the Bering Sea and Beyond. I have been your host, Mark Kaler. I encourage you guys to follow us on Twitter. I think we're now up to 12 followers. Just look for at Galley Stories. Uh, but also on Facebook. And uh, register on there because you get the uh, oh, pictures and live feeds occasionally. Uh, appreciate all your support. And like and share, please, guys. We'll see you next time. Say goodbye. Thank you, Mark, for having me on.